0: Nobody wins unless everybody wins. This is your time. We're in this game. An impossible goal. These guys
1: are good. Scary good. And this crowd is going bananas. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Line Change, the NHL betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Ebaugh, and joining me, as always, are my co-hosts, Nick Martin, and back from uh, his beautiful Arizona vacation, Tim Kalinowski. Uh, and just a warning off the top here, um, I, I don't know if this deserves a PSA, but I'm going to give a PSA uh, for this show. We're going to recommend two bets on two teams tonight uh, for this episode that are combined One, 17, and one in their last 20 games combined. So uh, strap in or run away. Uh, I don't know which one we'd rather for you and your mental well-being, but let's get into it. We'll start with uh, two teams that don't make that list. Uh, Sabres and Habs start this five-game slate. Buffalo's minus 132. The Habs plus 112 at home. Total of six and a half. Nick, um, I don't want to bet this one at all.
2: Yeah, I don't want to bet this one at all either. I at plus one fourteen. I actually lean towards Montreal for as not great as I think they've been. I feel like they're actually playing right there at the sa- with the Sabers. Um, the Sabers mini stabilization. I know they actually played quite well versus the Ducks, but the main reason they've stabilized and I, ma- I made this point is that UPL has just been unreal in goal. But we see these kinds of runs from all sorts of goalies all the time. Lyon. Um, who is I thinking of tonight? But it's just such a common thing that you see these young guys come in, have a good run. Nico Dawes, that sort of thing. It's just not something you want to bank on. There's a lot of uh, volatility, a lot of variance to goaltending. A lot of it comes down to what chances bounce in the net and what chances, you know, were never supposed to be saved in the first place. So I think something like that isn't something worth hanging your hat on. Um, I don't think that the Sabres have defended overly well recently. Their underlying process is pretty bad. It's actually over the last five, worse than the Canadians. I think that with the injuries they have, you're seeing a bigger role for Connor Clifton. That's a bad thing. He's been horrible. horrible. One of the worst signings in the league, which not picking on anyone, I, I didn't think he'd be this bad at all. But
0: Come on, uh, Bruins legend, Cliffy. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: no, I yeah. he's been fine. I, want, I wanted he, him
1: to replace Scott Mayfield.
2: but Yeah, no, it's one of he'd those... He'd be a great Islander. <laughs> it's a hindsight 2020 thing, I think, to pick on that one, because I, I didn't think he'd be this bad. But he's been bad. He gets a big role. Their decor is not overly good. They haven't defended very well. And I think in time, we're going to see UPL come down to earth. He had a really tough game versus the Ducks. And then I look at the other end of the spectrum for the Canadians. Montembeau, one of the best goaltenders in the league right now. So, if anything, I think I don't mind the Canadians as an underdog. I'll probably keep my eye on uh, Slavkovsky over two and, a half, two and a half shots again, but I also think the fact that he got to seven versus Saturday, or Saturday versus the Caps, is going to ruin the number. They're also playing Buffalo, so I'd be surprised if we get better than even money again. And especially because in that game, Matheson was finally passing to him. Like at the end, we looked to him three times and he missed the empty net. Um, I think that's the way it should be. I said in my article on, on that game that I thought the Canadian staff should have specifically been showing Matheson why that pass was a good option. It helps balance things. It's better than him taking a a shot from the top. And then they can't just cheat on Caulfield on the other side. So I think there's still room to grow in terms of his volume. He's playing really, really well. Um, So I think that's kind of my prop to watch. And just leaning with the Habs would be my take on that one.
0: Yeah, props to you, Nick, for uh, digging something out of that with a pos- possible look on Slavkovsky. Uh, you know, these two teams are, um, in my opinion, uh, pretty unbettable, especially like with, especially with them being um, like the numbers being tight, right? Like it's it's only you know minus one thirty favorite or so. Like much rather play these teams as as big dogs and some in a different situation. But I, I guess I would lean Habs as well because I think it's more of a coin flip than. Um, people think or at least this line is showing so like if i had to bet it i would just take the plus money side uh, no matter who it was it, it happens to be the the habs in this case but yeah i'm i'm not stoked to watch this i i you know would i kind of forget these teams exist uh, at this point in the year and hand up i know you can't do that as a gambler but sometimes you know what make the league smaller uh, i'm gonna eliminate these teams from my from my bank here
1: yeah, these at these prices, I think it's 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 warranted. Like the Ducks closed plus, I I bet the Ducks against the Sabers on was that Sunday. They were plus one seventy.
0: Yeah, and, that's what I'm saying. Right? Yeah,
1: that that now they're this price that you're getting the Habs, who I know are better than the Ducks, and it's a different situation. But it's um it's pretty crazy that 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 number on the Ducks was nuts, and I think this one is just very very milk toast. Uh, a game I don't think is milk toast, and this is one of those two teams I was alluding to off the top with the warning. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks are hosting the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Chicago's plus one fifty-eight at the time of recording. Flyers sitting minus one ninety-two on the road. A total of five and a half for this one. The Flyers have uh have been a a pretty good team to follow pattern with for most of the season. With you, you want to look at them when they're uh, punching up as as big underdogs. They we we said after um everybody kind of threw the towel in in for them uh right before the all set break when they lost five in a row, that that was a perfect signal to, to buy back in on the flyers. They go ahead, they beat the Panthers, the jets, the Kraken and the coyotes four in a row. Then they, uh, have lost two on the spin to Toronto in overtime and then in New Jersey. So this team is like, they have the ability, I think to, to beat anybody in any situation, but they still have that ability to lose to anybody in situation. They had an ugly loss to Ottawa during that stretch. Um, they had, a they got shut out by, uh, they got shut out by Montreal. Excuse me, by Detroit. They beat Montreal in a in a tight shootout. Um, in a winning streak. Right before that, they've had losses to teams like Seattle, Calgary, Nashville, and I. I mean, the Islanders. It's it. It's not a team that I think you can really trust at these kind of prices. Although, like they've been really good all season. And Chicago. I. I mean, I hate to say it like this, but they're they've been bad, but not terrible. And they're getting nhl bodies back in the lineup more and more with each passing game and that is a huge deal something nick p- points out quite a bit it's like I'm, I'm gonna bring him up we joke about him in our group chat a lot anthony beauville yeah just because he was a islanders legend but just getting him into the lineup and pushing a guy uh i know he's not on the team this year but but like buddy robinson last year like pushing a guy like that out of the lineup it does make a difference here so getting chicago with with a top six that and boy, I uh, hope you're sitting down because this is this is something else. But Bedard, Kershev, Felino, Beauvillier, Dickinson, and Anderson, at least it looks like the 32nd best team in the NHL's top six and not like an AHL top six anymore. That's a long-winded way to saying I like the Blackhawks here uh, as an underdog at home, um, starting to show at least a pulse with Bedard back in the lineup, Tim.
0: Yeah, I think that you know, we, we love this Flyers team and like none of us are Flyers fans, but it's been hard to not you know, love what they've been doing. And it feels, I would say they're almost like our Eastern conference Yotes in terms of like, they've just, you love, we love a team that punches up and, and it gives us a good like underdog price in, in certain spots. But like you said, that's certainly not the case um, in this situation. And Nick, what we said um, a while back in that certain teams that cover the effort spread Chicago, I know this like losing streak here, but they they like fight, man. It's just if they if they could have uh if this was football and they could have like a plus 16 and a half point spread, we would love to bet them over and over again. And but that's just not the case. You have to take the money line. where you know, we we're never really ever um you know, plus take plus one and a half. So uh I'll also add in with with Philly here. I think it's worth looking into. They're they're really streaky. If you just look at their schedule, it's it's L L L L win, 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 win. And then I just don't think Urson can, like the amount of games he's been forced to play here, you know, since the Carter Hart situation, I think the all-star break came at a perfect time for them, specifically for Urson to slow down and kind of get his bearings a bit. They just, it's a lot of Urson, which is just, you know, he probably is a fine backup goalie, but it's a a lot on his plate. You know what I mean? And I just don't know if continuing to roll him out there, like they don't really have a choice, but it, it doesn't bode well for them.
2: Yeah, I thought I was going to end up on Chicago here, but I actually thought, I think minus 192 is fair, in my opinion. I I agree. Like, I think Chicago's probably playing a little better than people think, and they're starting to punch up, but I'm not quite low enough on Philly to want to bite at this number yet.
0: But also, uh, sorry, Leboff, just to jump in. Like, the, I feel like Chicago continues to lose with just a team that, I mean, it's obvious, but it just has more firepower. Like, they can kind of slog you five on five and, like, during the game and get some, like, Morazic to play well. And then it's like, okay, well, yeah, this the team they're playing, it just has more pure goal scores. Philly is not really that team. So that's why it kind of profiles a little bit better um, for that kind of matchup.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I also would not be surprised if Cal Peterson starts this one um, to give Urson a blow. Uh, like you said, he's he's played every game since the off break. He's played well. Uh, for most of them. But they've got a, a really tough couple games right after this Blackhawks game. They play um, the Rangers and the Penguins as a back-to-back, so you'd assume that Peterson will get one of those. And you wonder if Tortorella's like, I gotta play this guy at some point before. And this is as, you know, you could serve him up the, the Blackhawks and um, before this this three-game stretch where you're playing teams that are, um, you know, either you're chasing like the Rangers, I know that they're out of it, but or um, teams that are chasing you like Pittsburgh and, and Tampa Bay and, and I guess Washington right after that. So, um, yeah, Blackhawks, uh, for me and Tim, Nick will be passing, but you know, I'm not letting you pass on this next one. Our annual, or I guess biannual, bet on the Coyotes to upset the Leafs. Toronto is minus 210. Uh, it will be a home game for them in Mullet Arena in Arizona. The Coyotes plus 172 at the time of recording, a total of six and a half. It is ugly for Arizona. I cannot remember the last time the Coyotes won a game. They came. They've come close. Uh, of late, this is this something we always point out when teams are on these uh long schneids Is that usually they do show a couple decent efforts. They show like a pulse before they start to turn things around. Uh, and turn things around. Coyote. The Coyotes have to do. There are a a whopping oh nine and one in their last ten with a minus twenty three goal difference. But uh, we're good against Colorado I think we pointed out that that was a little bit of a fortunate win for for the Avalanche they got a, a bunch of breaks uh the, the Oilers game too like they were in it until they weren't so yeah it's not it's not terrible for Arizona 09 and one's not terrible right now Nick I think uh this is a a decent spot also you know one of the the first signals we always love to point out uh to people who are betting hockey is as soon as everybody starts to in uh, the national media starts to like re- get behind a team on a, on a hot streak. It's, it's when, you know, like the the market's going to be too high. And it seems like that's happening right now with the Leafs going three or four and oh with Morgan Riley out of the lineup.
2: Yeah. I like Arizona. Like you said, I think they've been quietly knocking at the door the entire time, like all of February since the break, they were pretty good versus Knights in the first game back Their overtime loss versus the Preds. I thought they were clearly the better team, tough loss in Philly. Like you said, with the Avs, they couldn't get a break. And then the Oilers game, like you look at that, the way the Oilers are demolishing teams right now and the way it was actually contested, I still think it's a positive comment. This feels like the ultimate game where like a lot of people will be shocked when it ultimately ends up being kind of close. And that's a little scary to, to say right now. The one thing that's crushing the Coyotes, and I thought this was still even true Sunday versus the Avs, is that they're not getting any goaltending. And that is really scary when you're talking about bad, this kind of a bad, team. Nick. It's been bad. awful. And goals at the worst times. Like, maybe overall, Vegemelka's performance was okay Sunday. But that Jack Johnson goal was a complete muffin at the worst possible time. Like, they had worked so hard to get to where they were in that game. And then you just have a defender that never scores, scoring on, like, a 60-mile power shot from outside the dot. Like, that just can't be a goal at a big moment. So... No. I think is still better than he's shown. He's I'd be pretty confident he gets this game. Um, I hope maybe the number gets there too, because I think like the the Arizona's underlying process, I don't think it's been as bad as their current analytics. Like I've watched a lot of these games. I think they've been decent. Now they have more guys back in the lineup too, so feels like the ultimate time to buy on them. I thought we might maybe get a number a better number, but I don't mind plus one seventy two at all. Definitely play that. Uh, for a smaller play. And then it's not even like picking on the Leafs either. I think they're playing pretty well. And I just, I can't quite get there. The other thing I'm kind of excited to see is I think Austin Matthews is going to be the shortest price to score a goal of the year by like some margin in this game. But considering the total of five and a half and the Leafs being minus 210 in Arizona, everyone's going to bet it. And it'll be goal 50 if he does it. I feel like he will probably do it, but I'm just... I think it is going to be an interesting note as a better to see him be like minus one. I don't know, like maybe minus one sixty to score. I don't even. Yeah, we'll probably see some. And one thing just before we pass
1: it to to Tim is that uh, something you pointed out to me uh, uh, like a year ago during Ovechkin, you know, mania to get what eight hundred or whatever is. um, When you see a price like that and you want to be part of the milestone, uh, game. So if you are like a Leafs fan and you want to bet on Matthews to score, bet bet him to score the last goal. Um, usually like is, is something to, to look for because uh, as, as Nick has brought up like these players will look for him more they'll they, when the empty net is if there is an empty net situation, he doesn't play for the islanders, so he's allowed to score empty nets. Um and he will be on the ice for you know a good majority of it. Um and his teammates will will try to set him up in that situation as well.
2: I was just gonna say the other caveat that kind of goes right into what you're saying with that, because this is the point I thought you were going to make. If you're gonna bet Matthews to score in this game, bet him right away. You know Everyone's gonna bet it, and there's no no market. There's no sharp butters that are gonna be slamming in money on no, if you gave them a good enough price. So, if you're gonna bet this, do it at open, because all the books I'd say pretty much with confidence will open at some sort of a price and then move uh, away from that as all the money comes in.
0: That's a <clears throat> excuse me. That's a very good tip, Lee Buff on on last goal. I um I I've, I I watch too much of your Islanders that I've discounted that um you are indeed allowed to score empty net goals. So that was a good point by you if you are if you are going to bet Matthews. I mean, here's the thing about um, this matchup that I, I think, it, you know, it's kind of baked into the price, but why it makes the the Yotes, the, this losing streak, they don't get anything free, right? They don't get anything like the easy power play goal. Like, you know, I was in the building Friday night against Carolina. and It's like, oh, here we go. You know, get dealt kind of a freebie power play. Here we go. And they just... They don't bury like, you know, their their bottom half in in power play percentage, like they just make it very difficult on themselves and not getting anything free. And I think when, when I close my eyes and think of teams that can do that, it's like Toronto, mostly at the top of that list in terms of so many dangerous scores to just play great five on five. Then all of a sudden, you know, it's Nylander short side bar down. It's like all that work for that. Like that's, that's, what's been extremely frustrating about this Yotes team and makes it, you know, borderline (laughs) impossible to bet. On my end, it's 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 hard to watch, right?
2: Yeah, the one thing too I'll show, throw out there is like just from like pure roster composition. If you look at what's left of the Yotes, and obviously we think this based off what we said at the start of the year, but I still think they should be able to defend a lot better than they've shown. They've had a lot of tough games recently, so I kind of think we're at the low end of like their defensive upside. I honestly wouldn't hate a play on the under in this game. I tried it on uh, Monday just because I got sucked in on the number and it was a disaster. But I still think in time they can stabilize in terms of their defensive play. That's going to be kind of the calling card of their team if they turn it around at all. So I feel like under 6.5 at plus 110 is getting pretty tempting for me too. Like, Or if you wanted to try uh, the Yotes to win in a low-scoring game, I feel like that could be a decent long-shot punt as well.
0: Um, One more thing to tie knot, um, on all of this. Is I would say I was thinking of baseball. Um, I think last year, or the year before the the Red Sox were on some sort of run where like they had a this great winning record against teams with losing records, and then they couldn't beat anyone that had a winning record. I think just blindly, uh, I didn't do the actual math, but looking at the Yotes, I feel like that they're kind of in that territory. They beat like they beat a lot of game. They win a lot of games against like kind of even matchups. Like I don't think they have a, a whole lot of upsets on there. On their list when you just look at their schedule, so that's kind of what scares me too. I don't know if you guys see the same thing,
2: yeah. I mean, they're not beating anyone <laughs> lately, <laughs> okay. But fair enough. The, yeah. the Leafs, well, and everyone's we'll talk about how the Leafs always blow games like this. It does feel like the game the Leafs blow, right? Lost 10 right. in a row, all of that. People will be kind of handicapping it from that front, too. And the thing that will make that especially likely is that I just think Arizona's playing slightly better than people think. Like, I think the last two contests they've punched up pretty well. And just haven't gotten the result at all. And if they play the exact same way, which hopefully they will, I think it'll be one of those things where people are just like shocked that this is a game. But I think it can be. And then it'll be that, you know, the leaps playing down to them will be the narrative, which, which sucks if Arizona actually wins this, but
0: which um, is awesome. It's a talk radio game.
2: I, I don't know if you guys saw those things ranking like where teams were versus like each tier of people in the standings but the leafs win percentage versus bottom teams was like exactly where they should be. Like they're at like 10th, which is exactly where they're at in the standings. So it's it's not really been a narrative, but it feels like in this spot it could uh, end up being a narrative again.
0: Did it do it for all teams, Nick? That that list?
2: Yeah, it was ranking all 32 teams by tier of like when they're playing versus like first to 11th, first and their 12th to oh. 20th or whatever.
1: Okay, uh, we'll move on, but before we do, I'll just remind people that the Islanders have scored zero empty net goals. They have taken eight shot attempts um, in 32 minutes and 35 seconds against an empty net season. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that in, in sports, not just hockey, just in general. Uh, game of the night. Uh, I would argue it's Leafs and Coyotes, but most people will say Bruins and Oilers. Uh, Boston plus 115-ish on the road. Edmonton minus 140-ish and a total of six and a half. The Bruins uh, end their homestand, seven-game homestand coming out of the break at 2-3-2. and two. They get the win against Dallas. I don't think it was all that in, encouraging. I thought Jeremy Swayman was good. They needed nine rounds and a shootout and a, and a late-game-tying goal from David Pasternak with like a minute 40 uh, to even get that to the extra session. I think Boston is just in a little bit of a of a rut here. I don't think Edmonton has been playing their best hockey, but I think when you look at what the Oilers are doing and doing well. Uh it kind of they can kind of just go toe to toe with Boston um in terms of 5 of 5 play, preventing high danger scoring chances, goaltending even, like you'd still give the edge to the Bruins there, but Skinner has generally just been really good um for for quite a bit here. So I think there's enough pointing to the Oilers at minus 140. I wouldn't go any further beyond that though, Nick.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that Boston's play we've kind of all been waiting for because it, it just doesn't look like on paper a team with their center depth should be able to own the amount of play that they have. Um, I know that they have a really good defense core and a lot of good pieces but I feel like they've had too many question marks to be like a true, true president's trophy winning team again all year and we are kind of waiting for the bottom to follow. I think it has. I think that, that um, Stars game, like you said, didn't convince me on anything. It was just a classic Bruins win where their goalie was better than what other teams have, but I thought the flaws were still there. So I don't mind Edmonton here. One bet that I'm going to have my eye on, I'm hoping to go with Olmark or Swayman over, I think it'll probably be uh, 27.5, maybe 28.5 saves I would play to 28.5. I think that'll be the way that I want to target, the way that Oilers can uh, control play and generate so many chances. Skinner had a bit of a shaky game last time out. I feel like I'm not super excited about the Oilers at this number versus a Bruins team that's so good at finding ways to win, but I think they'll get their chances, and I think that like the one thing that's been crazy over the last stretch for Boston, over the last 10 games, they have given up the 11th most shots against. They're giving up 31 shots against per game, so they aren't really controlling that much of the play. They're not defending like we have traditionally seen, and that's over a pretty large sample, so I think Maybe that'll be the number that comes on a little low for me here. Where uh, you know, I could definitely see it being a game where he maybe he makes some big saves early, and the game stays close, and the others keep having to push for offense. So I think that'll be my uh, favorite bet on this game.
0: Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the oil here. I, I think that the Bruins have played some pretty ugly hockey since the All Star break, and it's it's kind of I guess what we are waiting for um, in terms of saying that you know there, we don't. Think they're totally um, a heavyweight in terms of the the top of the league. They just they have too many too many holes, and their goaltending makes up for it. Like like you just said, I was on the stars in that game uh, over the weekend or Monday, whatever it was. Uh, stars are up three two. I get on the plane, uh, find find Wi Fi, refresh my phone. I'm like, how the hell did that just happen? So, but it's just the most Bruins thing in the world. I, I'm on Edmonton here at minus one forty. I think that they just give them uh, the Oilers can win uh, more more ways than the Bruins can. It's um, it's it's not looking good in, in Boston compared to what their standard has been. I, I'm looking to, I'm looking to fade them. I think that teams are kind of figuring them out a little bit, and if their goaltending doesn't play tremendous, they're they're kind of in trouble.
2: Yeah, they're on a pretty big streak of putting together like very average showings here, like far too often. I think you talk about like the Flames game, the Caps game was horrible, the Kraken game. I think the Kings game was. Not great when you when the other team's goalies clearly just doesn't have a very good night and you don't find a way to win. That's not great. And then stars who went in the shootout. Thomas Harley hit the post like twenty five seconds earlier and you had a four on three power play in overtime. Like it just feels like it's either they're gonna win marginally behind pretty good goaltending or or it's or it's not gonna work out right now. So yeah, I think that does kind of lead to a bit of a overvalued profile.
0: Imposter knock has to bail them out a lot um yep. they they're they're like depth depth scoring it's like you know marshan's had a pretty good year but beyond that it's 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 been it's been like okay is posture not gonna you know kind of bail us out of this and get us a big goal we'll
1: uh we'll talk more about the uh trade deadline probably next week and and maybe reserve like the wednesday wednesday show to to kind of um serve up a primer but the bruins to me are that are, are a classic team where um you know they're their teams like last year with the Rangers and the Leafs, I guess a little bit too, like those trades didn't really move the needle, but the Bruins are a team that has like a a clear need. And um, if they do fill it, I think that they can exponentially raise their ceiling. Whereas other teams, like even when we talked about the Lindholm trade with Vancouver, like, yeah, they had a a need for a number two center upgrade, but it wasn't something that would made us think differently of, of the team. And I think the Bruins are, are going to be one of a, very few teams that I actually think uh an addition, especially the right one, would uh would make a difference because of what you were just talking about, Tim. Okay, we'll we'll wrap this up with the Blue Jackets and Ducks before we get to our best bet. And um uh, boy, uh Columbus is an even money underdog, Anaheim's minus one twenty, total of six and a half. Nick, you're looking at the total. I I would love to meet the people who are excited to bet the, the money either money line in this game, but the over I think I can I can understand more.
2: Yeah, I like the over in this one. I think both these teams recently have just been in a complete kind of like sloppy disarray type game way too consistently. The Ducks were treacherous defensively versus Buffalo. I still think they have the offensive firepower to kind of punch up and generate. I think we've seen the low end of play from uh, Troy Terry and Leo Carlson recently. Uh, They've got Mason McTavish back. Like I think they have the offensive firepower to pay off versus a Columbus team that doesn't defend overly well. But same goes for the Blue Jackets. And I think both goaltenders in this matchup probably be below average. We'll see if it's Gibson or Dostal. But I think maybe Dostal and then Merzlikens is starting uh, tonight. So weak goaltending. I think both teams are kind of playing loosey-goosey, up-tempo hockey right now and have a little more scoring power than uh, I think maybe people might be rating. So I like the over at minus 118. And I think I would go down to minus 135 given the ideal goaltending matchup here.
0: Yeah. Um Nick, promise promise me you'll bet this over. Um, because I I'm I'm am i I'm afraid of dipping my toe in here that it 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 definitely bodes. I, I need a buddy here because it definitely bodes for uh an over. But um you could just see them also just both of these teams just absolute clunker because it's it's yeah. the, they're they're hanging on for dear life. Uh wait play they're playing out the string, that's for sure. Um a little shocking that um and I have a uh, money puck pulled up here and high danger shots against um the Columbus is second right behind uh, uh San Jose in terms of letting it uh, allowing high danger shots against, but Anaheim isn't down there till like 23, which is, uh, I feel like a little bit shocking. Maybe it's just,
2: but that's whole season split too. Right. Cause yeah, keep in yeah. mind the way they started the year really helps that data a lot. Um yeah. And then, yeah, like, There's a pretty huge gap, we've talked about this, between Tarasov and Merzlikens. Like, they're really not comparable at all. One has a slightly better than league average save percentage and slightly better than uh, expected, or has given up slightly less goals than expected. And then Tarasov's 877. So it's a pretty huge story. Maybe, you know, it's another one of those things people don't pay that much attention to Columbus, but it's uh, definitely a big difference when he's in versus Merzlikens.
1: Okay. Uh, best bets now. Uh, we'll start with you, Tim.
0: Yep. What we just touched on, uh, Oilers will be my best bet here. Uh, I'm still still a little nervous about Boston here. I think that they for sure need to make a move, like you said, Leboff. And as we were sitting here, um, pointing to that same exact thing, team points, uh, Pasternak leads the team of points with 80. And then it's Marchand at 51, Coyle at 45, McAvoy at 38. It is, uh, they could use some help and, Oilers just said they have a lot more firepower to kind of uh, um, put some dents in the, the brick wall that has been the Bruins' uh, net minding situation.
1: I'll go with Chicago. I think that this is a team that is making marginal improvements. And when you're really, really bad, that matters. Um, and getting bodies and NHL bodies into the lineup makes them a little bit more dangerous, especially against a team like Philadelphia, who play a really good five on five game, but just don't have that scoring talent or the power play to. to take advantage of of the opportunities that they will get uh, against a team like Chicago. So I'll take a, a shot on the Blackhawks. It's ugly, but I think that the price is
2: right here. And I'll round it out with the Coyotes. They're at plus 180. Um, I don't know if you'll need to rush to bet this one either. I actually, I think more than other times, I feel like it's, I, I could see maybe Sharp Money still liking the Leafs here. So I wouldn't be surprised. But I think that what the Yotes have done Recently, he's being a little underrated. Uh, tough to say when they're on a 10-game losing streak, but it feels like they've been knocking at the door and they've come up short because of, in large, I think, how tough the matchups have been. It's been uh, the Wild, the Hurricanes, the Avs, the Oilers uh, entering this one, but I think three of those games they played quite well and could have gotten a better result. Um, I feel like there's a lot of room to grow at full health here with the roster now healthy, and it does feel a little bit like one. When the Leafs will kind of blow. I think they're getting a lot of credit for this winning streak without Riley. And I respect that, but I think it's just one of those things they've kind of been playing at this level all year and they ended up on the good side of some variance in these games. Um, So yeah, for me, I I like the Yotes here. I think they're going to make it competitive and hang around. There you have
1: it. Oilers, Blackhawks, and Coyotes one of these things. It's not like the others. Um, With that, we'll wrap this one up. We'll be back again on Thursday to preview a little bit of a deeper slate. And until then... Best of luck with all your bets. Thank you to Noah. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, And good luck to Tim and his team in their hockey game tonight.
0: Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.